All right. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to Dialogues on Applied Channel Theory. I'm Jason Robertson, sitting here in Seattle in the morning, and Jonathan Chang is in Beijing in the evening. And uh, welcome, Jonathan. Glad to have you here again. Hi, Jason. It's good to talk again about channel theory. Yeah, and thanks for uh, for being up relatively late there. Um, well, what we thought we would talk about today, uh, and Jonathan and I were just talking about this, is um, using the idea of, uh, of insomnia cases and talking about insomnia a bit, but using it in the context of getting to know the, the Julian channel and the relationship between the liver and pericardium channels in applied channel theory uh, conception. So uh, that's where we're going to go. And, uh, and uh, Jonathan, I think you had some questions, and, and uh, we're going to begin probably with um, a discussion of the relationship of those two organs. Right. So, yeah. So, Jason, my, my main question was, uh, question was uh, uh, why did you want to talk about this today? You're, you were really, uh, I think you had a lot of interest in this topic, and you were, you were just telling me about it. So I was just curious why you wanted to talk about this topic today. Well, the, the, the interesting thing is, is, of course, being dialogues here, uh, all of us who are, you know, apprentices of Dr. Wong have been listening to each other's discussions with each other here as well. And I was listening to you and, and Yafim uh, talking a couple weeks ago about the uh, lung five spleen nine, uh, Chirza Yinling relationship. And, and then, of course, it got Yafim talking about Tain and and he was pointing out Dr. Wong's, you know, description of Tain, which, of course, Others have said this idea, though, of the of the kind of qi ji, the qi dynamic of the tai organs and the descending function of the lung. Of course, lung goes in and out, but it, uh, you know, fundamentally, it descends and the and the spleen lifts. And so, within the qi ji, the qi dynamic of tai the lung is descending, the spleen is ascending, and they have this kind of circular up and down balancing relationship and this uh, you know provision of postnatal qi. And I thought, okay. Then we started to think, all right, what is the qi ji, the qi dynamic relationship of, of the organs in other channel systems? And Jiayin springs to mind because for me, it's been one that has been a little harder to just to, to nail down as, as kind of straightforward as the lung spleen one. And, and that's what I was asking you about. So kind of first tell me as well, Jonathan, how you think of, you know, the relationship within Jiayin of the liver and pericardium or what is the, the basic function there? Right. So I guess when, when Dr. Wan would lecture about the the pericardium and liver, um, he used to call it more like a circulatory system, right? So like the pericardium, he'd see it as like the, the muscles of the heart. So it's like the pump, right? So it pushes and uh, circulates the blood through, through all the blood vessels. Uh, whereas the uh, liver, uh, even though we say it stores blood, we see it more, Dr. Wan didn't see it as like a passive storage of blood. There's also like a filtration process that occurs when blood enters the liver. So it like um, filters it, purifies it, detoxifies it. And then the blood is later assigned, right? But then, so like on the one hand, it's like, but in order for this like blood to properly circulate throughout the system to the liver and outside of the liver, it also requires that pumping of the heart, right? So like the, so that kind of relationship of the pericardium and liver is one is like moving blood and the other one's kind of maintaining the quality of blood or cultivating the blood. And so then, I think, as you said, assigning blood, so not just hanging on mm -hmm. to it, but also kind of sending it upwards and outwards too, right? Right. So I guess we say like the drain governs closing into the interior. So it's like on the one hand, it's like the blood enters into like the liver, for example, into this, and then it gets slowly per like filtered. But then at the same time, even though it closes into the interior, there's also like that movement of bloodwards back outwards, right, from the liver outwards to the rest of the body. So like that assignment of blood outwards. 
Yeah, and so then it gets down to what we were also we we talk about as well. You know, it's imp- it's always, of course, impossible to completely separate any of these six channels from each other as an independent entity, mm-hmm. and especially in the case of of Joyin, there's definitely this dependence upon the movement of qi, which can't be separated from Xiaoyang as well. So there's kind of a the 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 the, the qi and blood relationship is really fundamental to Joyin and this kind of movement of qi coming from the the the, the Sanjiao and gallbladder function in a way, the Yang mm-hmm. movement which helps the, it kind of unbinds the liver, right? And so this is, it, it gets kind of complicated when we try to think it through, right? Mm-hmm. Right, so that, yeah, when Dr. Wan talked about the circulatory system, he, he would say like the drain and Shaoyang together is one is like the drain is more related in terms of like the movement of blood and uh, uh, maintaining the quality of blood while the Shaoyang is more like the pathways for Qi, right? So they have this kind of a Qi and blood kind of relationship of like moving, circulating this Qi and blood throughout the body. So they're kind of like inseparable in a way. One is more in nature, one is in nature. Yeah, uh, you just kind of broke up, I think, for a moment, but I think we're back. Um, yeah, so the yin and yang relationship of Jin and Xiaoyang. And then, of course, can we take that? Can we make a, a nimble leap here into talking about insomnia as a way of describing this relationship between liver and pericardium? That's That's what I've been... I mean, insomnia is such a tricky thing to treat, and of course, by no means would all insomnia be of a Joyin nature. In fact, often it's, it is affects Xiaoyin especially. But yet, there is definitely a type mm-hmm. of Joyin pattern that we see. Uh, and I, I have one. Do you have anything right away to say about that before I ask you a question about cases and, and point pairs? Actually, no. I think it was kind of interesting because I think when we were uh, texting about this earlier, you were talking about like the common pathologies we see of like one is like blood stasis in the drain, right, is one common mm-hmm. thing we see. Another is probably the, the heat, like the drain heat or constrained heat. Um, those are the two common ones I think we see in terms of uh, drain pathology leading to insomnia. But you were talking about another pathology, which I think, um, I guess, is not as common, but uh, the one you were interested in yeah, discussing. Yeah, well, I, I, I had a really interesting case in the last, it's actually been a little over a year that this case came through. Um, and it would be, all right, so I guess maybe first we should just talk in general. There's excess and deficiency in Julian, we could say. And mm-hmm. in my thinking in the case of, uh, of uh, Julian, of course, when there is this deficiency, there is most often we're familiar with this idea of like liver fire rising up kind of, and that, and that can be excess or deficiency. The deficiency could be like a deficiency of liver blood, of course, leading to this kind of restless anxiety type of insomnia with night sweats that we see. And that, that I think is maybe the most common type. Would you say that, you know, if you just had to say the most common type we see? Yes, definitely. They have rising fire upwards. They might have like that red tongue tip. Some people might have like uh, pressure in the chest, like feelings of like, like their dreams might be more like anxious dreams, nervousness, those kinds of dreams, I think. Yeah. And this is, um, Yes, and, and this is the type that maybe sometimes in TCM you would even call it like a heart fire. But I feel like in, mm-hmm. in the way Dr. Wong conceived it, he more often thought of it as a Julian fire, maybe more pericardium. And, the, mm-hmm. and often these are the types where you can, you know, you need to palpate the heart seven and pericardium seven areas is really helpful for determining. And when there's this kind of roughness, kind of a dry feeling more at pericardium seven than heart seven, combined, of course, with all the other signs and symptoms of tongue and pulse, then you can begin to think mm-hmm. of what we would normally think of as heart fire as a, as a drain fire and, and, and a point pair that might be considered would be the pericardium seven liver two pair. 
Mm-hmm. And so that was like kind of where I began thinking of dream insomnia, dream anxiety, dream, um, a, a dream, you know, the type of dreams you're saying, the anxious dreams of the mun, the feeling of stuffiness in the chest you're describing and, and uh, irritability, and do- irritability. And Dr. Wong would use that pair in a variety of perimenopausal patterns a lot of times as well. And that is this idea of like a, a, a deficiency of liver blood. So there'll be more of a, a pale tongue side, but yeah, like a red tongue tip at the same time. So this case that I'd seen recently you know, got me. And then, of course, we and, and maybe secondarily, you, you alluded to the fact that, yeah, then secondarily, we have blood stasis type of uh, of insomnia. And the, and the second case is kind of a combination of a blood stasis, but it was a little tricky. And here's the here's the reason. And then the palpation really was kind of messing with me. He this was a guy. He was in his his late 60s and his chief complaint was insomnia and secondarily, severe abdominal pains he would get, like very bad abdominal cramps. Like, I mean, stabbing, stabbing pain in the lower right quadrant is where he would oh, get them. And they would often happen at night when he was trying to fall asleep. And he'd been through every type of biomedical exam for years. And the only diagnosis they finally came up with was they called it a, a variation of irritable bowel syndrome. And he would sometimes have loose bowels, more often constipation. And... But the, 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 but also severe insomnia. He would sleep like three hours a night and then be up for hours and wasn't able to get back to sleep very often. And so I thought, okay, this is, you know, this is a, a very challenging case. The stabbing pain, of course, makes you think of maybe blood stasis because it, it's very chronic. It had been around for decades. And I started palpating in his, his liver channel. If you palpate from liver five to liver six up through the medial uh, the low leg there, you could feel kind of hard nodules. Liver three had a hard nodule as well. His tongue was purple. And so, yeah, you think, okay, this is probably a blood stagnation case. And in a lot of trillion blood stasis um, cases, whether it be insomnia or other even psychological patterns, you'll find kind of a corresponding stagnation up above in the pericardium channel. So often up in the mid arm around pericardium four, you'll feel kind of a hardness or a tension or maybe even a a bit of a nodule there in the Julian channel, and it's kind of a systemic Julian blood stasis. And this type of pattern um, I see definitely as well, but this was different. His Julian pericardium channel was was actually, you know, you palpate some people's arms, and not only does it feel kind of relaxed, it's almost empty. He had like this kind of total lack of muscle tone in his yin channels of his arm. So there wasn't this excess above, and then his tongue was very purple. So I was like, God, what is going on? There's definitely what looks like, you know, we could even say TCM style, like uh, thinking of a liver blood stagnation, but yet the pericardium channel and even kind of, he had kind of a little bit of a collapsed chest. He had kind of this deficient upper body looking um, pattern. And then he would also get some night sweats. Um, He uh, would feel a little anxious at night. You know, sometimes you think of a person who wakes up in the middle of the night with their heart kind of fluttering, like it's almost like a Mm -hmm. blood deficiency, not filling the heart. Mm -hmm. And so on the other hand, the interesting thing was if you palpate his Shaoyang channel, his Sanjiao channel was full of like it's very tight, you know, the kind of uh, tension and nodules all along the Sanjiao channel that we often see in people with maybe shoulder tension and pain or all this kind of drain, sorry, Shaoyang stasis. And so I thought, okay, I mean, he has lower abdominal pain. So obviously we have to get the, the, the blood moving in the liver. But then, you know, what are we going to do? Do we need to move something above or what do we do? So I began with the point pair liver, um, liver three, liver five. 
and pericardium 17. And I think even for that first visit, that was all I did. And the, the interesting thing was, and this case took months. This was kind of months of working on this case. So this is a broad, at least 10 treatment kind of event. But what I began to learn over time was that what, what, he, what was going on with this patient was it was, a, it was like a cold congestion in his liver below, and then the liver was not expanding upwards to fill the pericardium. And just a minute ago, you were talking about, Jane, thinking about the liver pericardium relationship a bit as having something to do with wood and expanding. What, what were you thinking about that, John? Can you say more about that? Yeah, I was thinking about like, um, I don't know, I think I was... We always talk about the liver as related to wood, right? Obviously. <laughs> yeah. And then just that, that image of like a tree and it's like the trunk of the tree and then it spreads out to branches and the little, you know, little branches and they just stretch outwards to the sky. But when I imagine that, then I think of like how the, like the blood circulates from like the liver, for example, and then is pumped circulate outwards towards these further reaches of the body. So it's like moving those things outwards. And that seems like the natural direction of like liver blood going outwards um and then nourishing the you know the di most distal parts of the the tree right and all the way circulating that blood or all the way out to the leaves and things like that so that's something one way i kind of try to imagine it um but circulation in, in the liver in system i think yeah and so i mean i think that's that this case i guess kind of brought exactly that image you're saying home to me in the sense that there might be situations where you have this kind of stagnation of blood in Joyin, and it's it's not necessarily coming from like a, a pericardium not pumping and moving, but instead an inability of the liver to kind of expand upwards. And it's kind of, I guess, like a cheese stagnation. But in mm. this case, there's obvious signs as you palpate of blood stagnation. So the liver is unable to fully expand upwards to fill the pericardium. So it's kind of like, it, 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 I guess it's, it, it's a, and I, and, but there's other cases definitely where you find this kind of tension and hardness throughout the pericardium channel. So the pericardium's not moving blood. Um, in any case, what, what was interesting about this case is another thing that I was doing in the treatment of this case is I was uh, warming the inside of his liver, you know, his, his, uh, his thigh on the liver channel on the right, mm -hmm. because it was really tight down there below the liver organ. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, that was, you know, this kind of feeling he was having in his abdomen was like cold. So warming the liver channel. And, you know, we have these kind of shan patterns, I think, or like mm -hmm. constriction patterns that are often described as happening in the legs. And mm -hmm. I think by warming this, that was part of it. And so the, one of the first symptoms that was starting to get better was actually his abdominal pain before the insomnia got better. And so mm -hmm. this case kind of brought home to me this idea that there can be situations where, there can be not only blood stagnation, but like a cold congealing, constricting in the liver where it's not expanding. And that is what's not allowing the blood to be assigned kind of idea. I know it's a complicated case. And so that was my first step with him was warming the literally physically using a, an infrared lamp and along with the acupuncture, warming the liver channel, especially on the right below the organ. And so there's also this interesting, like, lower right, upper left relationship between liver and pericardium. The organ, the liver organ itself is on the right, and the pericardium is on the left. And even, I don't know if you've noticed this, sometimes when there are pericardium joint uh, patterns, you're, you, the changes you feel in the pericardium channel sometimes can be more on the left, on the side of the, of the heart organ. I don't, do you notice mm -hmm. that at all? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and so, and then, and similarly, 
in some of these patterns, the liver changes can be a little more on the right side, like liver three nodule might be, they're usually bilateral, but like the liver three nodule is bigger or the tightness along the liver channel or the nodules at liver five and six are a little more on the right. So there's this interesting kind of left-right relationship too, which I'm just thinking out loud with you right now. I haven't fully, you know, conceived. I don't Would you have any thoughts on that? Um, not yet, but I've, sometimes I've, yeah. Anyway, I, I have noticed with patients, it's hard for me to pinpoint because sometimes it feels some people they're like their changes or their symptoms are more on the left while other people, their symptoms might be more pronounced on the right. So some, I still haven't like found out a pattern like, why do some people have it more on the right? Some people more on the left. And like, I've had people with like patients with like discomfort in the liver region, the actual liver organ region. And then, you know, they have more changes on the right side on the liver and pericardium channels. Then, but then on the flip side, other patients with like, for example, dysmenorrhea or uterine fibroids, but more on the left, and then their liver and pericardium channels on the left have more changes. So I still don't, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just because the symptom, like the actual physical symptom is more on one side. So that's why it presents more there, but I haven't thought much else about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, neither have I, which is thank goodness why these are dialogues and not formal essays on the concept, <laughs> because we can hash out ideas here out loud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the case of dysmenorrhea, often if there is like a fibroid on the left side of the uterus or the left ovary, if there's polycystic ovary, mm -hmm. the changes tend to be on that same side. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, um, but anyway, in any case, this guy, um, as he improved, it brings up the next aspect of the Julian function is the Shaoyang relationship. So as the kind of liver... Uh, channel began to be warmer as the as the nodules over you know we don't ch check the nodules on the liver channel right after the again given treatment instead we follow up on the next visit and check to see if they're changing and so there was a, a positive trend in the way the liver channel felt and of course his abdominal pain was improving but nevertheless he still was continuing to have this pretty severe insomnia so it's kind of, you know, the, the irony was his chief complaint was insomnia. He had the abdominal pain, which was awful, but it was kind of a secondary complaint. But that got better, and so he was motivated to keep seeing me, but his sleep had not improved. So, you know, then we switched to this idea that you just said earlier of, you know, the, the relationship of the Shaoyang. So we started to move the chi of the Shaoyang channel in later treatments, and that was when his sleep started to improve after we kind of had already warmed up the liver. So I guess we had to conceive of his case in steps as well. And so later treatments were the more typical Sanjiao 6, Gallbladder 34 pair to just kind of move the Shaoyang channel. And still, you know, and the other thing I checked, and this is what I wanted to mention to you also about the, the, the blood stagnation insomnia patterns we see in Juyin. More often in my experience, and what do you think? I, I would find a harder, a more tension nodule around pericardium four, I would find that the Julian channel in the upper body is more stuck, I think. And then in those cases, I would be more likely even to do cupping in insomnia cases to really move the upper burner, to cup, you know, right around the, the back shoe point of the pericardium, UB1415 oh. area, to kind of invigorate blood flow or even use the formula Tang to to move blood. And so for me, if I'm not finding that tension in the upper pericardium, then I'm less likely to think of this as a, a blood stagnation insomnia. But maybe I'm just gotten hung up on that. Maybe that's maybe there are plenty that are that are more liver type. What do you think? The one thing I wanted to ask actually was yeah. uh, I, I might have missed it. But like, um, what was the cause of his insomnia? Did he say? Well, um, he I mean, the interesting thing was his I mean, he did allude to. Um, 
basically a very traumatic youth that he'd had. And so he, I think he was like, the way he said it was when he was like very stressed as a kid, he would get these abdominal pains. And so I think in a way it was like just the kind of childhood trauma of, of like having an abuse within his family. It kind of went there. And so it was, I mean, I guess we could conceive of this as it created this kind of blood, lack of blood movement in his low abdomen, which kind of rooted into the liver. And so I think, and then also the interesting thing was, this is another fascinating thing about this case, is this guy, um, he was a very heavy drinker. And so he, he would drink like a humongous amount of like vodka and other liquor every day, but never appear drunk and always, you know, like be very functional. So he's a functioning alcoholic who drank a lot every day. And he said in the course of the treatment, after about three or four months of treatment, he said he, he decided he would do a fast where he would not drink and he would you know, eat very simply and kind of clear. He was, he's actually a really interesting guy. So he was going to try to kind of clear himself out. And so he did this fast. And after he did the fast, he said from that moment on, he never had a taste for alcohol. He just completely cold turkey quit drinking and never craved it again either. That's amazing. It was, a, yeah, it was like, again, it was like, I, and we think of alcohol, of course, it's warming and spicy. So it moves mm -hmm. and warms the liver. So certain people are using it medicinally to, to kind of invigorate the liver in those cases. So um, he still comes to see me much less often, but the insomnia does still, the, the, the abdominal pain has never come back. Now it's been like a couple, it's been probably a year and a half. And so he comes every six weeks to eight weeks, every once in a while, the insomnia still comes up. And, and, and it seems these days the way to help the insomnia is still been more to move the chi of the Shaoyang to get that going. And of course, then the blood follows the chi. So if we get the, the Shaoyang moving, then the liver kind of springs to life. And once again, those little leaves, as you're saying, rise up and, and fill the pericardium again. That's how is I'm conceiving of his yeah. case. In terms of like other signs of like chi stagnation or excess, does he have like in terms of pulse and tongue, did he have symptoms like well, his that would tongue, help? The main thing about his tongue was when he first came, it was unusually purple. I mean, it was, it was like out of a textbook blood stagnation looking tongue. Mm -hmm. Um, and so his tongue over time, the purple comes and goes a little bit, but it's never been the same as it was before. No, but he didn't, he doesn't have what we think of as, so when you have this Shaoyang stasis, often you have heat, right? You often have kind of this heat rising, like you said, maybe red, red sides of the tongue or something, a uh, kind of irritability and restlessness. He doesn't have that. It's like, it, yeah, it's not, it's not a Shaoyang heat still, even when he comes back. It's just more like he needs to have... He, he, I think he kind of overthinks and constricts his chi in that way, and it's just if, and it seems to hang out in Xiaoyang. So when you move it, he responds much better and sleeps better for longer periods of time without treatment now. But it still comes back, so there's still probably still something I'm, I'm missing. Um, Does he ever talk about his dreams, like what kind of dreams he has, or, or if he has dreams? Yeah, the or? dreams he had before, that's right. He also had these awful nightmares about his childhood. Those also resolved when the abdominal pain resolved. And I keep asking oh, that's really interesting. if they come back and he said that they don't. And yeah, so he's not having like nightmares when he wakes up now. He just wakes up and he can't fall asleep. And then, oh, that's interesting. yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a, been a fascinating, it was a very fascinating case. And again, just to kind of bring it home is the, the one of the main things I learned from that case was this idea of cold in the liver channel being palpable and sometimes being an important part of what looks like a liver blood stagnation case. 
and then this idea of warming the liver channel on the right, and I've used this also with gynecology patients. You know I keep talking about it. <laughs> you know, warming the inner thigh, that area where the liver channel is going up. And then secondarily, this idea that you can have blood stagnation in Julian, and it maybe is not necessarily so obvious in the upper burner. That was the other thing. That it's, and, of course, there are other types where it is in the upper burner. So I guess I'm actually contradicting what I just said earlier about the liver, about it only being in the, it having to be blood stagnation in the upper. But I guess what I should be saying is we should differentiate between a type of blood stagnation in the lower injuryin and the upper injuryin and then treat it differently. Maybe that's a much better way to say this. So that was probably why you were confused by what I said earlier. So what, uh, what do you think is the, the, yeah. the main cause? Why is there cold in his, in his instance instead of like, uh, signs of like you know drain heat or something like that if you had this much like stasis blood stasis and like cheese stagnation why do you think it manifested more as like uh, liver uh, like blood colder I, I think it must go back to his his alcoholism and the fact that he was I mean I think that many people um, I, I don't I can't make a broad statement on this but I guess mm -hmm. in his case he wasn't, even though he was a heavy drinker, even from his first presentation, he wasn't like the red cheek, you know, having, um, you know, all this heat coming up above, like you see maybe with some people who are heavy drinkers and you can see the, uh, the you know, the changes on the, on the face and nose and red tongue sides. And, and then they can have insomnia as well, of course, with a really agitated type of insomnia and heat. He would like almost wake up and he was, you know, irritated that he was awake, but he wasn't like severely sweaty he wasn't severely agitated and i think that the cold then was just being barely treated by drinking a lot by putting the out the heat through the you know by uh, of alcohol into him and that only when he started to be able to move the cold without the alcohol did it start to resolve but then why wasn't it heat i don't know the why on that he was just that was the unique physiology of this guy i guess it's was he a big guy or is he skinny or he's pretty skinny yeah. guy um you know uh, of asian descent and he was in very good shape he's you know 60 something years old but does yoga every day avid hiker like looks he looked you would have never guessed that he was like drinking like a half pint of vodka every day if you saw the guy he looks like a kind of like a almost like a shaman kind of character <laughs> but he didn't look he it was you know once you like so many patients and people walking around they're carrying around all kinds of stuff that we don't know about they might look totally different than what they are and he was he was one of those cases it was like a a hidden thing but that the, the you know the abdominal pain was was really interesting in his case that's really fascinating case and yeah. did, how did and his yeah. channel changes uh, evolved over the course of the treatments i assume yeah i mean the most important thing is to this day his liver channel is is i don't know what percent but like 80 percent like way better and the, especially that liver five and liver six area, that was where it was, it was, almost, I don't know, you palpate some people, it literally feels almost like a rope, like a, like mm -hmm. a, like a, like a vein is in spasm or something. And it was a, it was a couple of rope-like changes in there. And it was even a little, it, it wasn't a varicose vein. It wasn't as distended and obvious as that, but it was a little discolored and a little darker looking in his low leg along the liver channel in his case. And, That's you know, really cool. yeah, he's a case where, uh, I didn't do cupping, so I love to do cupping on these Julian insomnia cases, but it's only when it's in the upper burner. So that's the other thing mm -hmm. is there's this other Julian pattern, and, and two points to kind of triangulate when you're thinking of Julian stasis in the upper burner, and this is much more common. I have more cases like this 
where you do find that tension in the pericardium channel, maybe even a hardness around pericardium four, and then you check REN17, the front move point there, and it's often very kind of tender in that area, and then their tongue is purple. In those cases, it is often very helpful to do some fairly strong cupping in the upper back, and then they, yeah, then they get more of the purple changes after you've done the cupping, and they often sleep much better if you start to get the blood moving. And, of course, these people, it's important for them to exercise and get their heart you know, they need to get their heart rate up through their own lifestyle changes as well. That helps them sleep. These are people who will say they sleep better when they exercise. That's that more of that kind of upper burner trillion stasis. And, and of course, this brings up, John, the Dr. Wong's differentiation between the pericardium and the heart, right? Like the difference mm -hmm. between what they are. And I mean, what, can you summarize that? Oh, just simply the pericardium is related to the heart muscles, whereas the uh, heart Dr. One discovered it's more related to the conductivity of the heart. So like, the, like it's, it's one that sets, sends out the electrical impulses for the heart muscles to contract, right? So the pericardium, we always say it's kind of like the messenger, right? It, like, it receives the, the commands from the heart and then it contracts. And the commands are you know, sending out these very rhythmic you know, signals to the muscles to, to you know, regularly beat and pump. That's the heart. Um, and, uh, you know, there are other relationships to, yeah, yeah, the heart. So in addition to that, he also believed that the heart channel, the heart was also related to the, uh, um, the valves, like the, like the different valves in the heart, like the tricuspid or um, mitral valves and, um, and also the endocardium. Too. The endocardium was more heart. Yeah, heart. Yeah, so yeah. the valves and the... the um, Conductivity and the um, endocardium, he believed, were all related to the heart. More Shaoyin. And then we yeah. see then this kind of common theme between liver and pericardium. It's about blood. So the meat of the heart, mm -hmm. the blood of the heart. And then, of course, we all know the liver is associated with blood. So there, mm -hmm. that kind of brings them into synergy there as, as a blood system. Mm -hmm. But a blood system that depends on the movement of qi from Shaoyang. So it's just, it's yeah, this is... You know, this is a bunch of complicated ideas, but hopefully this one case at least kind of threw some interesting ideas for those listening about how the liver and pericardium relate to each other. Because, again, as I began when we talked here, that relationship is still one that I'm figuring out, still one I'm a little bit struggling with or getting to know better. While I mm -hmm. feel like, especially the way Yafim was describing the lung and spleen, that one I, I get clinically, I understand it, I feel like I understand it, I'm always willing to learn new things, but... This liver pericardium one is just different, and I think maybe it has different aspects in different patients, so it's not so so straightforward right away. Mm -hmm. I think, like you know, in general, like for like the the drain and liver relationship, like the like the the common presentations, like what we're mentioning at the beginning, are like those patients with like constrained heat in the drain, right? So that those patients, not to say it's easier to determine, but like I think sometimes they're. Um, in terms of symptoms and signs, it's more apparent, right? So sometimes it's easier to come to that conclusion, like, oh, that's drain heat. And then you palpate their channels and they might have like little sticks or crispy stuff from like PZ7 to PZ6 or like yeah. sticks or nodules at liver two, liver three. And immediately you're starting, oh yeah, yeah, of course. They have like that red tongue tip. They have irritability. They have uh, some pressure in the chest, maybe restlessness. And then their pulse might be deep, but maybe slightly wiry maybe, right? Or thin. So in those cases, you're like, oh yeah, yeah that, that it's easier to come to that conclusion. It's like drain heat. But like what you're describing, that case you're describing, I think it's 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 way more complex. Right? Well, it and sounds. it was just more chronic. It had been around since yeah. childhood, so it was just yeah. a, and it and it's one that 
has gotten way better, but I, I don't know if we could say completely resolved, but he's learned a lot about himself, obviously, through the process of improving this. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's, a, it, it's an ongoing case still. You know, one thing that also, I guess, maybe before we finish, I would like to say about Joyin is some stories that you were telling me about when you needle certain Joyin patients, that they would have this feeling of wanting to laugh. Remember that? You would tell oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What were, yeah, yeah, yeah. What were, what were, can you say a little more about that? So just like I was mentioning earlier about the PC7 liver 2. Um, so one patient had uh, all the symptoms I just mentioned, like, uh, was like acute insomnia, like poor sleep for two days. Um, restlessness during the day, restless sleep, irritability, pressure in the chest, deep kind of slightly wiry pulse, red tongue tip, anger, you know, mm -hmm. not anger, but like irritability, frustration. Uh, palpation was mainly liver and pericardium channel changes like around PC7 and liver two. So then I just needled her like PC7 liver two because I was like, oh, I'll just try that, see what happens. And then immediately after inserting the needle, she started giggling for 20 <laughs> minutes straight. Um, and we know that, you know, and then afterwards I was like, oh, right. They say the pericardium is where joy emanates from the pericardium. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards, like she felt much better, obviously. Like, and then, um, and then the next time I saw her, she was like, oh, can you give me those laughing points again? I was like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> Cause I totally forgot. I was like, oh, right, right. Piece of seven liver too. But of course I needled her the second time. She felt much better already. But the second time it didn't. She yeah. didn't get the laughing again. No, she didn't get the laughing. And another guy I used not. PC7 liver two, but PC3 liver eight, like the hussy points of the drain. Yeah. And he was just like talking really seriously. Like he was talking about this really serious topic. And then he just started like <laughs> giggling, like laughing. He's like, I can't, what's going on? He's like, I feel like I'm high or something. Yeah. He's, he, he's, he's like, suddenly he's like, had like joy coming out, right? Yeah. Cause he's trying, he's trying to maintain that serious discussion, which was even more hilarious, but he couldn't control <laughs> so it. So then you started laughing probably. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> but then I had the opposite of like people, like, mm. like a couple of people crying when using these, these like drain points too, or like Shaoyang points. Like I've had a few patients who cried and like it had led to the, some kind of emotional release, I guess when the, all that stagnation or whether, whether it's like blood stasis or cheese stagnation, when it was released, they're like just something just like one person recently had pretty severe, like she was already emotionally very, um, a lot of stress. And then, uh, just pal during palpation, she was like, cr started to cry. And then when I needled her, it was like crying. And then I needled do nine. And then just like this huge outburst of like tears came out. And I think it, I assume it, it seemed to help. Yeah. After. Like do nine behind the, like the liver area kind of point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, what did she say? I mean, you thought it helped. Did she, did the chief complain? Yeah. I saw her again, her? like a week or 10 days later or so. And then she said she, like, you could tell like she was much more like she felt better but she still had like a lot of this like the initial like thing that's causing the stress was still present but like emotionally she felt relatively more stable hmm. but like that intense stress she had was still there but had reduced like the symptoms she had were reduced like she, when she first came in she had like pressure in the chest poor sleep like um like just very fluctuating emotions um because i think i remember i just asked oh do you have pressure in the chest and then she said she just started crying oh right she, when you asked that yeah, yeah, yeah. When I just asked a question, that was yeah. like the, the first treatment. Well, so and the second treatment, like asking the same question, she was, she was fine. She didn't have that after she came back. Is that what you mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. Like the pressure in the chest had reduced quite a bit, I think. So we can think then of this, you know, pericardium aspect of Julian is, you know, it's, as you said in the Neijing, it describes it as being the place from which joy uh, 
le, or you could even say yue, like music emanates. So that that same character, you could like think of it as joy or music. And so sometimes with patients, maybe like the one you're describing, this is really random, and maybe this isn't always appropriate with every patient, but. Sometimes I'll tell those people to I'll point out that 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 idea of the pericardium and its relationship to joy and that you could maybe translate even that same character as music and tell those mm -hmm. people to sing in the car, sing in the shower, like to open up the chest and pericardium to kind of get that stagnation out. But, you know, if, and then it happens in the clinic. Yeah, sometimes they'll cry. But in, and then you'll it's in those very patients where if you mention to them the importance of singing or playing music, it sometimes mm -hmm. clicks with something with them, too. There's something musical about the pericardium too. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's a really a good idea. Stretch, Definitely but, a good idea. Well, uh, as usual, uh, time flies as we sit here and apply channel theory dialogues. And uh, we've touched upon some parts of the, uh, of the liver pericardium joyin relationship in relation to insomnia. But of course, there's so much more. But uh, in respect for everyone's time, we will end this one here and look forward to seeing or hearing uh, <clears throat> from hopefully you guys. Uh, you can put posts on the Wang Jui Facebook page, right? If you have comments yeah. about these podcasts and if you guys have uh, other ideas of other subjects we might talk about, you might throw those up there. We may or may not get to them, but uh, we uh, enjoy hearing that you guys are listening out there. And so thanks everyone for taking the time mm -hmm. to listen. And uh, Jonathan and I will be back talking to each other and others in weeks to come. So uh, mm -hmm. thanks very much, John. Oh, one more thing just to add, like we also have that Instagram page too. So like, um, if you don't use Facebook, we also have a Wangdri uh, Applied Channel Theory Instagram page too, where you can also like ask questions, post comments too. Yes, and thanks, of course, to John for maintaining all of those as I hang back in a lazy way and, and let John, although John's about to get really busy having a second kid here, so uh, I may have to step up and help more. So anyway, <laughs> those are other subjects for dialogues on Applied Channel Theory and related <laughs> ideas. All right, so goodbye, everyone. Thanks. See you later. Okay. Thanks. Bye.